chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, short-handed goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Could have our first Stanley Cup finalist determined tonight as the Western Conference final is on the brink of completion. In the East, it became a series thanks to a last-minute goal by the Tampa Bay Lightning within one against the New York Rangers. A lot has happened since we last talked to you. Also want to tell you, uh, give you a bit of a heads-up, Zach Whitecloud, uh, back from the World uh, Championship, a silver medalist uh, for Team Canada. He will join the show later on this week, uh, hoping to track down Zach Whitecloud tomorrow on the program. So uh, keep your uh, ears and your eyes and everything focused on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. But it's the Western Conference Final. With Colorado using a backup goaltender and minus one of its top forwards ready to oust the Edmonton Oilers. Spider senses are going wild. <laughs> and they all seem to be favoring the Colorado Avalanche. A series that started with great uh, celebration and offense has settled into uh, a low predictable affair. Yeah, it's a little annoying, isn't it, Darren? Yeah. It's really annoying that the Edmonton Oilers did not come to play in this series. Uh, and, that, of course, I'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. I just think that Colorado's a really, really good, very deep team, and you're seeing their depth on full display in that they don't have Sam Girard. They do not have, probably for the remainder of this series, Nazem Kadri, and they're without their number one goaltender in Darcy Kemper, and yet they continue to roll. I... I wonder what we're going to get out of Edmonton tonight, right? Because like this is one of those games where you just empty the tank. You you have no tomorrow. You have to try to empty everything in order to get to a game five. And then from there, who knows? But this is this has been a disappointing Western Conference final because after game one, I thought it was going to be back and forth. I thought we were going to get a lot of goals, and it has been the Colorado Avalanche shutting down the Edmonton Oilers, and that hasn't been very fun. No, it's been uh, rather uh, underwhelming. Yes, is 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 the best way that I could describe the transition between Game One to the rest of the series. Look, Colorado lost its number one goaltender early on in the series, and Edmonton's pressure has backed off. Those two things don't go hand in hand. The urgency for Edmonton should have increased knowing that Pavel Francouz was in over Darcy Kemper. What it does tell me, though, is that Colorado has taken, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt here, and, and maybe take some of the pressure and criticism off Edmonton, that Colorado has tightened things up beyond anything that I expected or predicted. Yeah, you know what? You're, you're right on the money there in that the Colorado Avalanche, the story in this series hasn't been their willingness 
to play offense. It's been their ability to bottle up the Edmonton Oilers defensively. And I think the leader of that has been Kale McCarr and the work that he's done specifically on Connor McDavid. So uh, if you look at this series, uh, are you disappointed? Are you looking at it going, okay, uh, we've returned to normal uh, in the hockey sphere where things are uh, a little more controlled uh, as far as goals are concerned? Uh, are you wondering, okay, th- those teams aren't that out of this world. Uh, if you're a VGK fan and you're you're taking uh, a break from the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, this year, you're watching going, okay, w- totally play with them. Uh, w- where are you on that? You know, I, 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 I look at Colorado. To me, they're a team that I think has all the tools, right? Like, I think their biggest challenge, assuming that they complete this series against the Oilers, like I think that their biggest challenge is going to be in the Tampa Bay Lightning if Tampa gets to the to the Cup final. Like I look at Colorado's ability to turn things on. I look at their ability to take what the game is giving them, and there's a comfortability factor right now in tight games too that wasn't there maybe a year or two ago. Like. I think Colorado's the real deal. I think the biggest question is going to be the injuries that they've sustained and whether or not they can continue to kind of overcome those key pieces out of the lineup. We got a bit of a, a rarity, some some history uh, potentially happening tonight as well. So you, you know the Edmonton Oilers uh, dynasty mm-hmm. back in the day, Wayne Gretzky, and then uh, leading it out. So uh, let, let let's do some trivia right now. Yay! Uh, how many how many Stanley Cups did the Edmonton Oilers won? Uh, five, correct. Thank you. Yep. Uh, they've been to the final in 1983. Mm-hmm. So there's six finals. Uh, went to the final back in 2006. So there's seven finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in in all that time, in all those uh, beautiful series, uh, do you know, and and now they've been to the uh, yet in third round. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been to uh, three of those now. So that's that's 10 times. Mm-hmm. That do you know how many times that they've uh, the other team has celebrated the Campbell Conference on the ice in Edmonton? I'm going to say but not by the Oilers. So somebody has celebrated yeah. the Campbell Conference trophy mm-hmm. in Edmonton. I'm going to go with zero. I thought so too. <laughs> but then but then I was doing because I went down a rabbit hole on this, and that's why I did. bring it up. Yeah, uh, is because I was uh, sitting there, and I was chatting with Darren Elliott, who's calling the game on twelve thirty, the game, uh, the Western Conference Final, and uh, I was really excited that I was going to be able to uh, give him something uh, really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I went down this rabbit hole. Yeah. My, so I started with one, and and there's the uh, there's the the left turn. The one is the left turn, and I thought that was the only time. But nineteen ninety one, Edmonton actually lost in the Western Conference Final to the Minnesota North Stars <laughs> of all teams. Wow, that's a like a shocker. Yeah, because Minnesota was way down. Now they got rolled by the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. The the great historic uh, memorable goal by Mary Lemieux, where he went through everybody and danced John Casey. And I actually made it into a statue. Uh, I'm sure Neil Wilkinson, one of the defensemen that got uh, dangled on the play, is really happy about that, uh, that he's uh, forever <laughs> memorized, uh, uh, memorialized with a statue. And then the next year, 1992, mm-hmm. Edmonton actually lost on home ice in the third round 
watched the other team parade the Campbell Bowl around, mm-hmm. and that was Mike Keenan's Chicago Blackhawks hmm. uh, with Ed Belfort in goal. And they got danced okay. by the Pittsburgh Penguins. So there's two that I can tell you about. Third, the Dallas Stars in the bubble. <laughs> That's that, that uh, little trick question. That doesn't that doesn't count. No. Darren. So the Stars were were twice okay. Dallas and, yep. and Minnesota, yep. and, and then uh, Chicago. But uh, you know, uh, it is incredible though that they've been to to the third round ten times, hmm. uh, now eleven, and this is going to be the first time. Or sorry, just the third time that uh, that they'll watch the other team celebrate on home ice. Uh, pretty impressive. Which tells you they also did a lot of winning. Yeah, I mean it. It is impressive, but like I don't know that if if I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan, like I don't I don't like the fact that it's happened before, right? No. Like you're you're talking about giving them a little bit of saving grace here, and and it's like, well, you know, thirty percent of the time it hasn't worked out pretty well for you. So, um, yeah, I I don't know that you're intended. Um, Metric here is what actually happened. If I'm an if I'm an Oilers fan, I don't feel any better about tonight's game. No, well, you're you're, you're disappointed about tonight's game because it's not game uh, six, and uh, the series is ending uh, potentially in the minimum. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's the real disappointing part. If you're going to lose on home ice, you hope it's in game six because uh-huh. the series went uh, uh, at some distance uh, into it. And the other part is uh, whether you lose at all, you hope to put up more of a fight than they did or at least on total games mm-hmm. uh, uh, because I, I don't think they played horrible defensively mm-hmm. in the series, but they it looks like they've sacrificed and they've made some odd strategic uh, uh, blunders or miscalculations uh, 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 throughout the whole thing. But the, th- this was supposed to be a much better series. So is was Edmonton overrated or is Colorado better? Ooh, um that's a really good question. I, I, I don't want to pile on the Edmonton Oilers here and say that they were overrated. I think that they were the beneficiaries of otherworldly performances from Connor McDavid through the first two series in these playoffs. And I just think that when you bottle up McDavid, you take away a lot of what makes the Edmonton Oilers the Edmonton Oilers and what got them to this point. So I, I think it's maybe that the Colorado Avalanche are a better defensive team than any of us give credit, give them credit for. So there's a couple of lineup changes uh, to tell you about. Uh, let's start with who's going in. Mm-hmm. And Edmonton's been, uh, well, both teams uh, have been forced to adjust their lineups. Uh, one because of an injury to Nazem Kadri, the other a suspension to Evander Kane. <laughs> uh, taking the place of... Evander Kane uh, is going to be Dylan Holloway uh, from Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, first round pick mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, uh, just turned pro, uh, twenty years of age. He's going to go in and play his first National Hockey League game, not in game two of the preseason, <laughs> uh, not not in game six of the preseason, yeah. uh, in a neutral site game, not in a random game in November, but in a do or die, stay alive game. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, that is pressure. Mm-hmm. But then you're also looking across the ice and go, "Well, Kale McCarr did it a couple of years ago, and he was fine." <laughs> yeah, Kale McCarr's a, a really, really special player. Uh, perhaps you could make the argument he's the best player in the game right now. That all being said, I, I, listen, I, I you get an opportunity to, to to just get your feet wet, and I know 
the stakes are incredibly high in this game. But the, the fact of the matter is you're looking at a three, nothing hole, right? Like even if the Oilers win tonight, I don't think that there's a lot of people or really anyone that's going to give them a shot at completing a reverse sweep. I don't think that they're going to win this series. So you have an opportunity to get a young player into action in the most pressure-packed moment, I think that you can learn something. So I, I think it's great. I think it's a really good opportunity. Let's see what he does with it. Yeah, well, he's, he's played a handful of games with Bakersfield of the mm-hmm. AHL. Yep. So so he's got that going for him. So he's been around, and he's obviously been around uh, the, the team right now. But uh, the uh, the idea that, uh, that you thrust into this is uh, – is it an act of desperation? Now, Edmonton's also going to put in Brad Malone from the sounds of it, and he's also played a majority of his year, more veteran player, mm-hmm. uh, uh, his year in, in Edmonton. But the, the Holloway thing, like he's a, he's a blue-chip stud prospect. Uh, yeah. They're expecting some big things uh, out of the forward. But this is uh, this is got the feeling to me when I saw it, of almost like throwing in the towel with Malone and Holloway. I know that's not right, and I know it's not accurate. I'm just going with with what my gut reaction was. I would never accuse the Edmonton Oilers of doing that. Uh, But it was just like, wow, he's going to play his first game. He's been around, he hasn't played. Uh, and now we're doing this, like, are we getting experience? Or that that was sort of my first, first blush to it. I mean, to me, it's just, maybe it's a spark, right? Like, the Edmonton Oilers right now need something. If you get... Holloway into action. Let's just say for the sake of argument, he scores a goal tonight. Like, how Oh, he will now. Now right. that I've said that, he right. will for sure. Exactly. And and you have no idea, right, like how much that can bring out of the Edmonton Oilers. If you have a guy making his NHL debut in game four, an elimination game to prevent a sweep of the, e- of the Western Conference final, and you get a goal or you get something positive within the course of the game from that player, who knows? It could be a catalyst. So I, I don't know that there's infinitely better options. I've always talked about how I don't think the Edmonton Oilers are particularly deep as a team. They need Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to be out of this world in order to win games. So if you can get a spark right now, then then you take it. And I think that that's kind of all that goes into it. You, you have a player, you need to score goals. That's what Holloway can do for you. So give it a shot. If he scores and you're able to use that as a jumping off point, all the better. I got some breaking news for you. Uh-huh. The Boston Bruins have parted ways with head coach Bruce Cassidy. Yep. We speculated about this because of the comments made by Sweeney and uh, Seabass uh, earlier this year uh, after the Boston Bruins were bounced in the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. and Neely was very noncommittal about his head coach, more critical at times uh, if uh, if – when I judge those comments, which is one of the reasons why we brought it up, was boy, that was uh, that was odd. Uh, but uh, but Bush Cassidy is gone mm-hmm. from the Boston Bruins. A very high-profile head coach was to the final a couple of years ago, and I think from uh, around the league, from thirty thousand feet, the assessment is that he did a pretty good job there. So I think we now have th- this will be interesting. And we'll get back to Evander Kane and the suspension mm-hmm. in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But be, with this development with the, with the Boston Bruins, I think the Florida Panthers have held up the coaching signings. Hmm. What they're going to do with Andrew Burnett is making Barry Trotz sit there and go, am I doing Vegas? Am I doing Winnipeg? Am I doing Detroit, Philadelphia? 
Uh, or do I wait and see if Florida comes in? It gives me bargaining power. Also gives me another contender along with Vegas uh, in the mix. It's not just uh, I have to pick Vegas if I want to contend. I want to pick uh, Winnipeg if I want to go home. Uh, it's not Barry Trotz holding this up. My belief is it's Florida waiting to decide what they're going to do, and Barry Trotz uh, is affected because of his options. Mm-hmm. Now, all these teams that are, are waiting on Barry Trotz have another interview because Bush Cassidy, if he wants to win next uh, or coach next year, it's like uh, uh, a lot. A lot of, they, they he will. He, mm-hmm. He's that well uh, thought of. It would be very interesting to see whether now the teams take a step back and want to interview Bruce and hold off on the uh, hiring or the uh, hiring or. Uh, promotion of, of, of Barry Trotz into the mix. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see where, where this goes, but this isn't a huge surprise mm-hmm. from Boston if you've followed along and listened to a lot of things, but I think from the outside looking in, you go, why, why would they make that change? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, like, listen, I, I I think that you can kind of view this one a little bit similarly to, to Barry Trotz, even though Barry missed the playoffs. There are extenuating circumstances. I don't think Barry was necessarily the issue with the the Islanders this year. It just didn't work out. And I don't think that Bruce Cassidy was the issue this year with the Boston Bruins. I think that you look at the team, you look at all the players that are off for surgery that are are going to miss the beginning of next year and understanding that they were just not healthy and yet still managed to get themselves into the playoffs, still managed uh, to play as as well as they did, be right on the cusp there uh, in the first round. Like, that's saying something to me. Uh, Bruce Cassidy is now right up there, in my opinion, with Barry Trotz as the best option for a lot of teams if they're looking for a new head coach. That includes the Vegas Golden Knights. That includes anyone that's looking right now. It's now a, a two-horse race with Barry Trotz and Bruce Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy is out of a job after a 51-26-5 and record. It's <laughs> ridiculous. 107 points. And <laughs> that's, uh, again, if you, Cam Neely gave us a heads up on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Part of this timing today, as it comes as we're 10 minutes into the VGK Insider Show's uh, opening hour, is... It follows Patrice Bergeron being named the uh, top defensive forward in the National Hockey League for a record fifth time. Uh, and, and we're going to discuss that and the, uh, the, the incredible accomplishment uh, it is uh, later in the show. But part of Cassidy's leverage or value is if he comes back and Bergeron comes back, uh, you keep the band together. If Bergeron doesn't come back, is it time to to turn the page on the coach? Because it sounds like there was a, some disconnect uh, in there. Uh, Bergeron the other day said he's going to have uh, some surgery, or he had some surgery, and he's going to be uh, taking his time uh, during the rehabilitation process and getting better. Yeah. If the Bruins know that, because he's an unrestricted free agent, thirty six years of age, if 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 he's going to take as long as he wants. Before he comes back, do the Boston Bruins say, "Okay, well, we're undecided about our coach. If Bergeron was coming back, we're going to keep everybody together. But Bergeron doesn't know if he's coming back, the captain of the Bruins. Then, 
we can't really sit around while all these coaches are, are being interviewed. Do we have to make a change? I, I think Bergeron's indecision mm-hmm. made this deal and this uh, decision by the Boston Bruins happen sooner than we expected. Yeah, I mean, I think that certainly the Bergeron piece is important, but you know, you, you even with Bergeron, even if he comes back, like I think you look at the injuries and the timelines on some of the players right now for the Boston Bruins. You've got Charlie McAvoy; he's going to be out for six months. You've got Matt Grizzlick; he's going to be out for five months. Uh, you got Brad Marchand; he's going to be out for six months. Like this team is going to be missing pieces, even if Patrice Bergeron comes back and plays next year. So, to me, given where the Bruins are at with some of their veteran players, their core players, it kind of makes sense that this is the time to make this change because I don't expect a lot out of Boston in the early part of next season because they're going to be without some of their best players. So do you want the job? Uh, that's a really good question. I I, I want to know what, your, what, what Patrice Bergeron's outlook looks like. Like if I'm a coach that's considering the Boston Bruins – I need to know if I'm getting the best defensive forward in the game back or not before I take that job. I just do. Wow. That's a tough one if you don't have leverage. No, I I mean, if I hear that. If you're an assistant coach being interviewed, you're assistant coach in the National Hockey League, and you're being interviewed for the head coaching job, you, you, you're if you're offered it, you're taking it whether Bergeron's in or not. Right? No, I, I, I agree with that, yes. But, but you're asking, what, how about Trotz? No, would Trotz Barry, want this job? No, no, I don't think so. Like without without a, a known guarantee that Bergeron's coming back, no. I think there are better opportunities out there for Barry Trotz to win. Vegas being one of them. So here's Cassidy's record as head coach in Boston: <laughs> eighteen and eight. His first year took over midseason. <laughs> Fifty and twenty. Forty-nine and twenty-four. 44 and 14, 33, 16, and 51 and 26. Yeah. There's a whole lot of winning in there. Two 50 win seasons, a 49 win season, and then you get into the, to the shortened seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only year he didn't win a round was that first year when he took over. Yeah. But he won a round every other year, got to a final, and got to a third round. This, this is very interesting. And I, I honestly think Bruce could have a job tomorrow. Yeah, if if he wanted, I, I think this really does cloud the coaching decisions and outlook for all of these teams. Can I just say though, this is why it's important and why it, it was great strategy for the Golden Knights to yeah. take their time, right? Like. I know there's a lot that we want answers to right now. We want to know who it's going to be. We want to know what the plan is for the Golden Knights, all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, because there's no real timeline, fixed timeline in place, the Golden Knights now have the benefit of reaching out to Bruce Cassidy, right? They have the benefit of looking over the entire landscape and then going out and trying to find their guy, and they just have another candidate in the pool that is a phenomenal hockey coach. 
Uh, Bruce Cassidy, uh, 15 years in the Boston Bruins organization, has parted ways with the Bruins. Uh, the Bruins uh, making that uh, official uh, this afternoon as word has come down that the team that uh, reached to the Stanley Cup final, losing to the St. Louis Blues a couple of years ago, uh, and one uh, uh, a decision uh, in which they were uh, 51 and 26 and 5 this year. That's that's wild, you guys. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, again, like, it's astounding to me, but the fact of the matter is for teams like Vegas and teams like potentially Florida, if they go that direction, also Winnipeg, like for teams that have pieces in place that can win, you have no shortage right now of good coaches that are out there that you you, you kind of plug in and play. They can do some damage here. Like the Golden Knights with Bruce Cassidy, if you can allow yourself to get there given his success, that's, that's huge. That's massive. So uh, I can't wait to see where Bruce Cassidy lands. I can't wait to see what that first domino is going to look like and then where all the coaches are going to settle once that picks up. But, you know, the fact of the matter is you just got another really good coach at your disposal if you're looking for one right now if you're in the NHL. I wonder if this impacts what Florida does, Ooh. whether they uh, get on this and and with Andrew Burnett wearing the interim tag, yeah. do they decide to make their change? Now, with, with Burnett being the interim, they can sort of technically go out and and talk to coaches, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even with with the coach in place, and then and then make their decision. And uh, I don't know whether that's happened or not, but uh, you you can kind of you're protected on on both sides. If if you can't come to an agreement or there's no interest on on a, on a big name basis, then you can go back to uh, Bruno. Uh, but uh, the other teams will will definitely be. Uh, salivating at the idea that uh, that a Barry Trotz, uh, a Pete DeBoer is out there, uh, and that uh, that a Bruce Cassidy is available right now. And things got uh, got very intriguing. He, he did lose in the first round this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, should should make that note. But uh, up until this year, uh, and and he had a great great season this year. But uh, uh, they were they were wild card and they 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 fell uh, to Carolina. So that 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 was disappointing. But uh, this uh, this has. Again, not unexpected totally if you let listen to the end of the year address, but it complicates uh, everything from a coaching perspective. Uh, do you think he becomes the number one name on everybody's lips in Vegas? Uh, yeah, or is it I, just still Barry. I think it's still Barry, but I think it's now one too. Like where, whereas before, I think it was probably Barry Trotz than Rick Tockett. Uh, no disrespect to Rick Tockett, but I think it's yeah. going to be Barry Trotz, Bruce Cassidy, and then. You know, talk it, Tortorella, insert whatever name you want to put there in kind of that tertiary tier. What do you like about uh, Bruce Cassidy? To me, like I, I, I love the the ability to to kind of communicate with his players, right? Like I, I think that there's there's a degree of understanding what you have in your players. Certainly, the perfection line, like knowing when to break them up, when to put them together, how to kind of maximize the most of his elite talent. Uh, it kind of goes without saying that you need a coach that's able to read those types of situations in order to get the most out of his team. Like when the perfection line was broken up at various points, it's been to jumpstart certain spots or or get more out of those players. And and I think that there's an ability to challenge his players to be better, and they've they've seemed to respond. 
Uh, he, he's dealt with star players. He's dealt with Hall of Fame players. Mm-hmm. Uh, think Chara. Think Rask. Uh, there, there's a lot swirling around this team the last few years. Yeah. I mean, Chara left the the organization. Uh, Tuka Rask was in. He was out. Uh, he left in the bubble. Uh, he tried to come back this year. Uh, wasn't able to come in uh, and, and make it happen. Uh, two goaltenders who I, I don't know whether there was tons of confidence. I mean, Swayman was unknown. And uh, I'll mark, uh, there is, there's, they signed him to a four-year deal, so mm-hmm. they obviously, uh, obviously they liked him. But from the outside, there was uh, still question marks. And then there's the star players that uh, they did have. Bergeron's a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Marchand's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, Krejci, uh, there's a lot happening. Adding Taylor Hall uh, to the mix. Uh, the the uh, Jake DeBrusque uh, distraction uh, never became a big distraction around the team. In fact, they figured out a way to to settle that. I don't, I don't know whether Jake still wants to trade or not mm-hmm. uh, after after asking for one, but they they got some 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 mileage out of him. Uh, and uh, I think uh, Hall uh, fit in, fit in with it. So I, I think there's a lot of moving parts where where Butch had to do a lot of coaching. This was not a smooth wake up and everything's the same every day. Uh, type thing. So uh, that's that's what I like about him is is uh, the guy that's been able to uh, handle the curveballs uh, on on multiple different levels. What's you, you like? You bring that up, right? And it, it's kind of an organization in flux in that you you lose a lot of the leadership core that's been there for the longest period of time. You mentioned Chara, David Krejci retiring last year there's questions about patrice bergeron his future you're trying to bring in different pieces and you move on from tuka rask after that experiment did not go the way that you hoped it would this year there's a lot of overhaul and yet the product on the ice still got into the playoffs the product on the ice still pushed the carolina hurricanes to seven games i i I don't it's hard for me to find fault in bruce cassidy's year this year there really is the other part of it is the Boston Bruins. Are they saying, "Okay, the window's closed. We're, we're <laughs> going we're gonna to start the rebuilding process, and we're going to start it from the ground floor, and we're going to start it with a new bench boss." That's very uh, possible. Mm-hmm. That that's the idea that they're going with. Hard, baby. Yeah. Is is, is like it would be it would be smart. I, like if I'm Boston. The writing's on the wall. Like like I mentioned, you've got guys that next yeah. season are going to miss the first what. Two months of the year? Tank. Yep. Just do it. Be bad for a year. Hope that you win the lottery. And then expedite the rebuild. Where have we seen that before? Oh, Golden State. <laughs> How'd that work out for them? <laughs> uh, pretty good right now. Yeah, not in bad. In the sense that, the, that they're in the uh, the NBA fund. But but a, a quick reset, like a step back, short-term pain, and then and then get back into it. Uh, you brought up Krejci's name? Mm-hmm. It's not a foregone conclusion that he's not coming back. By the way, uh, he he's actually back in North America, back in mm-hmm. Boston, I believe, <laughs> uh, for the uh, for the summer. And uh, Sweeney admitted that that he's talked to him throughout the year, uh, that it was his decision to uh, to play overseas this year because of family and a commitment that he made there. And uh, they have not closed the book on Krejci coming back. So uh, that's another like talk about your your balls in the air right mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. Uh, trying to juggle things but uh, the the decision to move away from a coach that uh, won 50 games this year and uh, didn't 
didn't advance deep into the playoffs, but uh, came out of uh, a very tough decision. Uh, a coach that got you to a Stanley Cup final, a coach that uh, has been uh, very, very, very good and well, well thought of. Uh, moving on from that right now does guide me towards the idea that there could be a, a very quick uh, teardown and then rebuild in Boston. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I don't think the Boston Bruins are planning on being particularly good next season. I think there are circumstances that go beyond that. Patrice Bergeron's decision is going to loom large in that as well. But if you're going to be bad, next year is the year to be bad. Okay, here's here's the uh, – and we got to go. But uh, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, it's like my kids when they say, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, I know we got to go uh, yeah. before Chapman starts uh, yelling at me. He's he's laid back. Like he's not even mad at – he's not even mad at you right now. Yeah, is, I'll yell at you in a minute or two. Is this a bit of the Boston Bruins management or ownership saying where we got Hall – uh, Marchand, I know he's going to be out, but uh, Bergeron, let's sell him on on coming back for one more year. Uh, let's get Krejci back in the mix. Uh, let, let, let's let's change it, uh, bring in a fresh voice and get everybody excited to win one more time. That's the other side of it. Maybe there's not a teardown. Maybe this is the attempt to uh, in put new uh, breath of fresh air into the mix uh, because I mentioned. Uh, Bruce has been Butch has been around there for 15 years between Providence and Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a long time. The old adage of uh, uh, "voice gets stale." Uh, is is that the possibility? No. Okay. I I think there's something there too. I don't know whether it's that's that's the. It's probably 30 percent compared to 70 mm-hmm. the other way. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't count it out if you're CUS Cam Neely or Sweeney. Yeah, I I mean I. It it's there, I like I wouldn't go that direction, you know what I mean? Like I I don't think the window is open. Like even if you bring Krejci back, even if Bergeron plays, even if everything goes swimmingly with all the other guys that are injured and they come back and they are exactly who you think they are, I still don't think they're good enough to win the Stanley Cup. So why, right? Like why not try to rebuild so that your window can be open for five, six, seven years? as opposed to one more kick at the can for a year, and then you miss out on bringing in a really good high-end prospect because you're bad for a year. Yeah, and it's short-term pain. Yeah, exactly. Not not a lot of teams had the luxury of making that decision. Now, short-term can go into longer-term in a real hurry. You hope that uh, that doesn't happen. Be careful of your, of your strategy on that front. But... Uh, Boy, add another one to the list. Uh, the Boston Bruins are looking for a new head coach, and we are closing in on the one-third mark of teams without a person in charge right now. Fascinating. And there's no sign of that melting uh, right now. Uh, when we continue, uh, we'll get into some other stuff uh, happening in the National Hockey League. Uh, I want to get back to the Evander Kane uh, suspension in the Western Conference Final and a huge win by the... Tampa Bay Lightning in the East. It's the VGK Insider Show. Breaking news as it happens for you on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. 
More on the decision by the Boston Bruins to uh, change coaches. That happened today. Boston was in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, so uh, they had uh, a little bit more window than a team that uh, didn't qualify in making that decision. But uh, Cassidy is the fifth coach to be fired since the regular season ended. So a lot of openings uh, right now in and around the uh, the National Hockey League. The Islanders made a change. Barry Trotz out, uh, but they hired his assistant, Lane Lambert. Uh, other coaches' uh, vacancies right now, uh, Detroit, uh, Philadelphia, and then you have the Vegas Golden Knights along with uh, – uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. So uh, we'll watch. Uh, Rick Bonus also uh, stepped down as coach of the Dallas Stars. Uh, they are also in the mix. Uh, we have some uh, updates uh, coming in from Game Four of the Western Conference Final. The Colorado Avalanche trying to close things out on Edmonton. Uh, we'll get into it deeper on the Evander Kane front later in the program. But mm-hmm. on the goaltending situation, uh, it's Pavel Francouz continues to carry the ball. Yeah, it uh, it looks like Pavel Francouz will be the starter for the Colorado Avalanche tonight, though it does appear Darcy Kemper is taking warm-ups and will be available as a backup. So that's good news for the Colorado Avalanche that Kemper is is able to back up and would be a likely indication that if things don't go according to plan for the Avalanche today, Kemper would be available at some point here soon or It'll be available for the Stanley Cup Finals. So okay, this fascinates things. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Francis is is five and zero. He's got the second best record to start uh, the playoffs in Colorado Quebec Nordique history. <laughs> uh, the only person better was Philip Grubauer last year when he started the playoffs six zero and then lost those four straight uh, to the to the Vegas Golden Knights. So Francis is obviously stopping the puck, and he's played great. And uh, when he went in the other night uh, in relief, he was fantastic. I don't know whether the pressure's necessarily been there, but he's 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 got uh, he's got a perfect record. If Colorado was up against it at all, let's hypothetical here, mm-hmm. and they weren't leading a series three games to none, is Kemper in or is Kemper out? The fact that he's not playing leads me to believe that he's not able to start. So I, I would play Francouz in this situation. But no, no. But but if what if Colorado was down three nothing and Kemper was was available? Does Kemper start this game, or are they starting Francouz because they've got the luxury of being up three nothing? I think it's that. I, I think yeah. If if they needed a win, I think Kemper's playing. I do too. This is just the the being in a really good situation if you're the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have the luxury of of allowing Darcy Kemper as much time as needed to come back and be able to play. And if you close it out now, you get rest for everybody. If you don't close it out tonight and you start to feel like you need to win game five, then go to Kemper. I I have a bit of an issue with it in the sense of uh, I'm, I'm like, like Robin Leonard had to back up that one game, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, because of uh, uh, the cap, uh, it, it, it was mentioned uh, during the availability. Uh, so, so they needed him to to back up and come back, and then he had the the procedure done. But if you're like if you're available, like Darcy Kemper, and it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you're backing up, why aren't you playing? Because you have a three nothing lead. Mm-hmm. It's only like teams have only come back. From being down three nothing, four times, four times in the history of the NHL. So, 
you have wiggle room here. I, I don't have an issue with it. And like Francis has played well. Like give yeah. him the opportunity yeah. to close it out. And then, you know, depending on what kind of shakes out between now and the Stanley Cup final, you you announce your goaltender. But I think that you are you're serving kind of two two points here. You're allowing Darcy Kemper more time to get comfortable, to get back, and and to be an option if needed, but it's not necessary right this minute. And you're allowing Pavel Francouz to have a moment that he's going to really cherish if he can get this team over the hump. So to me, it's a win-win situation because you have a 3-0 lead. You have greater margin for error to overcome a bad goaltending performance here in Game 4. It's another example of how the game's changed. And this is my old-school, grumpy old man on the doorstep. I have a hard time believing that Patrick Waugh comes back from an absence and says, I'm okay to back up. Ah, you, you, come on. Darcy you, Kemper's you, Patrick Waugh. You, you go ahead, and uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll back up, and then I'll jump into the, St- the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> if, if, anything, if anything here... I play Kemper because you're up three nothing, and make sure he gets in the game before the Stanley Cup final, because you're going to play him game one of the final, and he hasn't played for a couple of weeks. I, I mean, I see your point, but like, in all due respect to Darcy Kemper, he's not that guy. No, right? Like, it, like let's let's just kind of bring it to modern day. If Andre Vasilevsky was hurt. Right. And Andre Vasilevsky was like 85, 90% and was an option. He's playing regardless of where the Tampa Bay lightning are at in the series, regardless of what that looks like. If Vasilevsky's an option, he's in, but Darcy Kemper's not the same as Andre Vasilevsky. He's not the same as Igor Shesterkin. Like he's just not at that caliber. I think the Colorado avalanche believe that there's an ability to win with or without Darcy Kemper in the lineup. So at that point, what does it really matter? And you are up, so there's that, uh, which uh, really is the uh, big elephant in the room and, and dictating everything. So, yeah, play it safe. Better be sorry. And and the the other part is Francis is 5-0. And, oh, and <laughs> some of those are uh, a couple Helps. of those relief wins. But 5-0, uh, uh, oh. if he was 1-4, mm-hmm. Kemper's probably playing. But it, it has as much to do with Francis being undefeated as it does uh, Darcy Kemper looking at a scene being up three uh, love. But there's a, there's a lot happening uh, today. I don't know whether we're going to have time for catching up with Chapman. He's going to have to sell me on it. Oh, uh, man. In, getting he, into, into hour number two. He's not happy about that. No, he just uh, scrunched up his face. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly, he, he, that's yeah, exactly, that's exactly. what he did. <laughs> Stefan Fisse, by the way, was the uh, was the backup goaltender yeah. in 1996. He yeah. was a great goalie. I loved him with the LA Kings. You I remember that. I loved Fisse. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not starting him in any situation over Patrick Waugh, even nope. an 85% Patrick Waugh. Come on. I I'm, I'm probably have a better chance of figuring out, uh, even at uh, this stage of my life, whether it's Fusset or Facet, because I probably say it the different fashion from the previous time. Uh, no. Nine times out of ten. Come on. It was Facet when he broke into the league, and then it became Fusset, and then, uh, was, then people started uh, going back and forth on it. It was Fusset when he was with the Kings. That's all yeah. I know. So that's what it's always going to be for me. 
it's like when you get when you see a Roy or a Wah, you're like, sure, is it Roy, yeah. Wah, uh, what is it? I'm gonna change uh, the pronunciation of my la- of my last name at some point here. I don't know when, but just arbitrarily, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, it's always bad when the Kings and the Golden Knights get together because you have yeah. Roy and Wah on the ice at the same time. It's I know, okay. Gosher. I'm so happy Gosher's got his job. <laughs> uh, Wallace, uh, I'm gonna call you Willis uh, from now on. Uh, that that we, wouldn't uh, that wouldn't be the change, but that's fine. What would it? Wally. Oh, Wally. Oh, that's yes. uh, that's good. Uh, you know what's bad? My my cousin is Willis. My my grandmother was Willis. Uh-huh. So sometimes I I want to text Ryan, but sure. my cousin is Ryan Willis. Oh wow! How many times have you asked him who's on the show today? Your cousin. I, you know what? I have texted handful him a, of times, a couple of times, sure. and I'm like I'm like Ryan. What's and he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh sorry, wrong Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, we've got the play of the day coming up, and then hour number two, Evander Kane suspended for this critical game tonight, and we'll get more on the Boston Bruins situation as news filters around uh, the hockey world uh, regarding that change. And then we've got uh, news and notes from around the National Hockey League and one-timers. It's a, a really good, fun show today on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson. Centered. Eichel scores. It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Colorado Avalanche have a 3-0 series lead trying to eliminate the Edmonton Oilers tonight in Edmonton in Game 4. It looked like the Eastern Conference Final might be headed towards a, a minimum number of games on its own until Andre Palat did this in Game 3. Stamkos, tough angle, left pass save by Sesterkin, a beauty. Hedman, slot, shot, score! Andre Palat makes it 3-2, Tampa Bay, with 41.6 to go. Danger side, it's the old dogs for Tampa that come through. Palat, a seventh-round draft choice, is going to be the recipient of this sweet little dish from Kucherov. He takes the pass from Hedman, and then Kucherov, like a point guard, just dumps it past Zabanajad. Palat's shot is perfect. It's between the post and the glove, and Tampa's come all the way back. Andre Palat uh, sets a Tampa Bay record for most game-winning goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, <laughs> broke that mark with Tyler Johnson. Uh, hits double digits, but uh, with all due respect, uh, just like uh, the uh, Zegras goal, uh, is called the Zegras goal mm-hmm. earlier this year, and he didn't score the goal. Uh, yesterday's game winner for the Tampa Bay Lightning should be all about Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, the the pass is absolutely ridiculous, the play that Kucherov is able to make. And it's not so much just that he had the wherewithal to make that pass, but he put it on the tape perfectly. The only way you were going to beat Shesterkin in that spot was with a perfect play, and Nikita Kucherov... For as, as much as you wanted more out of him in Game 1 and Game 2, he was at his best in Game 3. Uh, one of the best games I've ever seen him play. Yeah. It's, it's, it reminded me a lot as I was watching it, uh, the difference between Johnny Goudreau's performances game to game at times this year. There was moments where I was jaw-dropped impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, by Goudreau. And I was like, where, where is he? What's going on here? It's, it, uh, he was electric or he was uh, out of gas. And Kucherov yesterday was great. But that pass to, to, 
to know that the game's on the line and you're between the hash marks and to make that uh, and Ferraro's uh, Ray Ferraro's uh, assessment of it like a point guard mm-hmm. was was right in the money to make that feed oh, unbelievable it was that uh, I I was giddy as a hockey fan watching that that's why you can never count the Tampa Bay Lightning out of a game or out of a series and uh, my wife said oh well that's over Lightning won the series now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's I, cheering for the Rangers. I'm cheering for the Lightning, and uh, and she's like that, that's over. Wow, really? Yeah, just like that because of uh, house what divided. Huh? Did. It, it is. Well, it, it, we we tend to go down that path quite a bit. Actually. It makes sense. Yeah, Red Sox, Yankees, all kinds of stuff. Uh, we have got to take a break. Uh, when we continue, hour number two of the VGK Insider Show is coming your way. A little bit more on the news coming out from Boston that Bruce Cassidy has been let go as head coach of the Bruins after a sensational run behind the bench of the original six team. Uh, Game four, as the Edmonton Oilers try to stay alive in the Western Conference Final, and then some news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Uh, The Combine has wrapped up. Got a couple of questions uh, to Ryan and Christopher regarding what would they excel at at the NHL Combine in all the fitness testing. (laughs) This is going to be a whole lot of fun. It's the VGK Insider Show coming to you on a Monday on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us.